0: Existential, a podcast aimed at reminding you that it's okay to be human. We listen to human stories and human experiences, and we wrestle with issues of justice, faith, and culture. I'm your host, Corey Leak. Thanks for listening. Hello there. Hello to all of you. Welcome to episode 98 of what I hope is, I don't know, I was going to say your favorite podcast, but that doesn't really matter. Like, let's say of one of your favorite podcasts or a podcast that you just enjoy listening to. I hope you enjoy the podcast. This is episode 98, and I am really excited about episode 100. I'm actually really excited about this episode and also 99. But all of these episodes that are coming up, oh, gosh, I'm so excited to to share them with you. I mean, I don't want to get too into episode 100 right now because you know we'll celebrate 100 when we get to 100 but we're so close so really excited about where we are in the podcast how many episodes there've been and i'm really appreciative of all of you who are especially you who are new patrons thank you so much for joining that community i'm excited about what's going on there uh, about all the times that we are able to get together and be in community with one another i'm learning a little bit more every day about what it means to be a part of a community what it means to be a part of a group, what those boundaries are like, and all those sorts of things. I'm really excited about those things. So, thank you to all of you who are a part of that community. Today, I'm um, I'm reflecting on something that I wrote down in my journal not too long ago. Uh, I was in, I think it was in big no, I was in Arizona. I was in Arizona. The day after the Roe v Wade decision was made and, and all of the conversation that was happening around that, how all this went public, and people were lamenting it. And I was riding in an Uber, and the Uber driver was apparently a Christian or at least you know, had Christian music playing. He was listening to um, probably my least favorite <laughs> radio station in the world no disrespect to anybody who loves those radio stations but like the fish and k-love those sorts of uh, stations that just tend to only play white people music oh, we, i guess we we getting started fast on this episode um, just as an aside because since i've since i've gone there and said that out loud um, i if you listen to k-love or if you listen to the fish or any of those uh, safe and fun for the whole family radio stations. It's really interesting to me how anti-black they are. I Shouldn't say interesting. It's annoying <laughs> How anti-black they are as an example okay since you know since I'm since I'm here and talking about this um, I Remember when Friend of God by Israel Holton was this really popular song, which is what it is. You know, this is you know um, I'll, I'll say a little bit more about this later not Friend of God, but the whole idea of worship. And I remember one day listening, I don't know why I was even listening, but I came across, maybe I was scanning the radio, and I was living in Atlanta at the time, and The Fish played Friend of God by Phillips, Craig, and Dean. Song had been out for a while, been popular for a long time. For whatever reason, they wouldn't play Israel's version, they played Phillips, Craig, and Dean's version. I guess it was safer and more fun for the whole family, who knows. But that's, that's what happened. And maybe, maybe they've changed since then. I don't know. But I'm riding in this Uber and in Arizona. And I'm listening to this worship song that came on. I don't even, I don't even remember what the song was. Of course, it was white people singing it, which is fine. <laughs> and um, I just, I wrote down in my journal, I was really disgusted by the worship song. Like, I was just like, I hated it. And it wasn't because it was white people singing it. It wasn't because it was on a radio station that I feel is uh, anti-black and problematic. Um, but I think it, well, actually, I know it was because there was a major injustice happening in the world. Now, you may have different ideas about um, Roe v. Wade, and that's, that's not what we're discussing today. That there is certainly A a feeling of and an actual injustice to uh, a group of people who, who have, you know, the ability to give birth, who felt as though their rights, their agency and their autonomy was stripped from them, at least was about to be stripped from them in some states and since then in some states they have been. And I'm listening to this worship song, and this injustice is happening in the world and in my mind, I start to think back to my time as a worship leader Now, some of you may not know that um my my career, if you will, started um in I guess in this whole spiritual space of talking about things that are spiritual. it began as a worship leader. I played guitar and I sang, mostly contemporary christian more, I don't know, white-friendly music. In fact, one of the things that people used to say about the Corey Evan Band, yes, that was the name of us, that was our name, shout out to all of you who might be listening, who either listened to or were part of the Corey Evan Band, Um, people would say, we love the gospel rendition of that song you did. And I would think to myself, what was gospel about it? I'm playing an acoustic guitar, I'm playing the exact same chords that Chris Tomlin or Joe Houston or whoever else wrote or played. But somehow it's a gospel version because our band was predominantly black, Neither here nor there. Anyway, uh, I was a worship leader, and I would sing these songs. and I remember this one time, I was leading worship at this church. and before you know before worship started, before the church started that day, I was like walking around, in the audience, well, not in the audience, but walking around, like, in the, yeah, in the, um, what's the thing called? You know, there's not the stage, but it's the other thing. Um, whatever. I was walking around in the, what is that area called? Why I, the I, is it a sanctuary? Auditorium, that's what it is. It was an auditorium. So I'm walking around, I'm greeting people, and I met this guy who was sitting by himself. I think it, had been, I think it was his first time at, at our church. And I walk up to him and I'm talking to him and I'm finding out who he is and tells me a story. He had just gotten out of prison and was kind of, you know, upset or, you know, was kind of, you know, talking about how being that he had just gotten out of prison, his opportunities were limited. And, you know, he he was feeling some sense of bondage even though he was freed from prison. And I got up on stage and I think our first song had to do with freedom. And I'm singing this song about being free. And for the first time I'm singing that song, I had a different context and singing that song felt really hollow to me. Like it felt like I, I, I wanted to stop singing that song. <laughs> like I wanted to, to quickly end it because I knew that I had just met somebody who was sitting in the audience that was probably having difficulty singing a song about freedom because while all of the rest of us, or I should say most of the rest of us, or maybe I'll just speak for myself and say that I was singing a song about freedom, thinking, yes, I am liberated in my spirit and and I am free from sin and all these other things, this man was not free. And we were jamming some lyrics down his throat that probably tasted really gross and disgusting and probably made him sick. And so as I'm, I'm having all these thoughts in the back of this Uber as this worship song plays following one of the greatest injustices that had happened in America in some time on a mass scale because there's an injustices that happen all the time. I won't do Injustice Olympics, we'll just say this was a massive injustice and the song's playing. And I thought about this um, text from the Hebrew Bible. There's this prophet named Amos who wrote this book pretty much about justice and religion, justice and faith, justice and, I shouldn't even say religion because the Jewish people were not a people who separated their daily culture from their religion. That's a very American practice to separate sacred and secular. The Jewish people did not do this. In fact, if you read a good portion, uh, not a good portion, all of the Hebrew scriptures, what you see is a lamentation, a critique of a society that had forgotten that there is no separation of how you live, how you treat your neighbor, how you treat the planet, how you treat the animals from how you treat God. So I'm reminded of this scripture, or these writings from from this prophet, Amos. And I'm just gonna read one portion of it because it really stood out to me. This is what Amos is saying that the God of the Hebrew people is saying to them. Spare me the noise of your songs. I don't wanna hear the strumming of your lutes. Instead let justice well up like water and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream Spare me (laughs) like I'm sick of Like I'm annoyed with your songs. I'm annoyed with the strumming of your guitars. I'm like I Can't stomach it. I'm sick with it. I'm disgusted by it and as I was sitting in the back of this uber This was the feeling I had this feeling of like disgust. And I was just like, what, what maybe what I was doing or feeling was not so much a disgust at the Uber driver or this radio station. I can't stand, but the idea that in America we would separate the sacred from the secular, we would separate the Roe v. Wade decision from our relationship to God. That we would separate George Floyd, Ahmaud Arbery, Sandra Bland, Breonna Taylor from our worship music, our preaching, our churches, the way that we view our relationship to God. That we would somehow believe that we can have a relationship to God and a detachment from the injustices that happened to people created in that God's image. I was disgusted at that. I felt a sense of like, eel. <laughs> I felt a sense of gross. And you know, I've, I've been uh, joking with some friends because over the last year it's been a very challenging financial time. Um, it's not a popular thing. You don't get invited to speak at places that pay good money when you hold the beliefs, ideas that I hold. When you are a person who's vocal about these types of things, you, you tend to be on uh, the heretic side of how Christians view you. Now, I am a person who's probably a little bit in the in-between. I left organized church like, I don't know, five, six, seven years ago, and have since then become very vocal about critiques of how church functions in the United States. Some people could think that's sour grapes, it's whatever, neither here nor there for me. Um, But I was joking about like, you know, maybe I should, make an announcement, you know, that I'm I'm coming back to the heart of worship. And it's all about you. I, sh- I should just, like, come back to the heart of worship and tell the evangelical community that I'm coming home. Make this big, grand announcement. Burn down the podcast and everything I've said on Twitter. Because that would be the only way that, like, I could be ex- <laughs> accepted again. and And really, that came down to a friend of mine is suggesting that, like, you know, if I'm having financial issues, that I need to go back to the thing that, that can get me paid, to which I feel sick <laughs> every time I think of it. And right now, I guess I'm doing the complete opposite of that, because everything about that feels sick to me. To be part of something that is ignoring the poor. And I don't mean... Like ignoring the poor in a sense that like, you know, people don't give money to the poor or don't like, you know, have programs. Most churches, most uh, organized spaces that I've known of for, for religious activity have some charitable wing. This is interesting because they have a charitable wing. The whole thing's supposed to be about charity, but that whatever. That like have a charitable wing that like does things that, that invests money in building uh, homes in underprivileged areas of the world. Um, that is advocating for and sending money to organizations that are digging wells for clean water for for areas of of the world that don't have clean water, that are sponsoring children in underprivileged uh, parts of the world where um, there's not medicine or or, or good food, healthy food to eat, or there's illness and not enough medicine and vaccination, things like that. Those things are, are happening And that's great. While at the same time, the ideology coming out of a lot of these pulpits is the same type of ideology that creates the systems, that creates the way the world works, where these situations are created. So on the one hand, you have a bunch of initiatives and money going towards fixing a problem that my ideology is creating, to which God would be like, I despise your sermons. I despise your relief efforts. Because you are standing up in front of people saying things that cause them to believe that it's okay to behave, vote, think, respond to the world in ways that create these devastating circumstances for the poor, but can feel good about themselves because they're giving money to help the conditions that they're created, not to mention that here in the United States, money is bypassing black and brown communities and going overseas to help missionaries do work in other countries that we need done in ours. Not to say that it needs to, that we, we have enough resources to do both, to be honest. It's not like it has to be, it's not a binary. It's not mutually exclusive that you can only do good in one place and not in the other. We don't have to bypass black and brown communities to do good in other places in the world. But there's something that seems like safer, less political about being involved with doing things in other countries because we don't really know their politics probably as well as we know ours. We know that supporting Black Lives Matter in the United States for uh, many evangelical spaces are, is uh, really frowned upon because we understand the political landscape. We understand that the idea of quote-unquote wokeness is under assault. Just recently there was a, a pretty f- popular evangelical pastor who made up some stuff <laughs> about wokeness. And was cautioning the church against wokeness. But let's 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 um dig into this for a moment. And, and it's it's interesting because I actually had an idea for a podcast that was gonna be about watermelon and wokeness. Because something similar is happening with wokeness that happened with watermelon. I'm gonna botch this because I'm not looking at it and probably didn't plan on saying this out loud, but there was um and you can Google this and find all the information you need, but there was a concerted effort by someone to devalue the popularity of watermelon because black folks were making decent money off of the the trade and the sale and the commerce of watermelon. And so the stereotype and stigma began about black people and watermelon to help um, sort of, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, to help devalue, um, to help sabotage the industry that black folks were being successful in in the same way now in 2022 the conservative right and many evangelicals who to be honest there's very little separation that you can find between evangelicals and the conservative right in america have taken this term wokeness which began in the black community as an idea of hey be aware of what's happening To guard, safeguard and protect you and your family. Wake up, stay woke was a mantra and still is a mantra throughout the black community that says there's things going on. You should be aware of. When in the 80s, black folks were saying that the U.S. government was feeding drugs into the black community to help fund a war. People were like, "Okay, that's crazy conspiracy stuff. And now, here we are years later, they're making television shows and movies about exactly that thing that was happening. Because we all know that actually happened. And the black community was saying, stay woke. This is happening to us. The black community was saying, stay woke. The police are in our communities doing harm to us. Before it was ever nationally televised, even before Rodney King was beat in front of national television, black folks were saying, stay woke, the police are terrorizing our neighborhoods and our communities. Now today, there's a movement that's happening that's bringing these things to a large scale. 2020 made this a global thing that everybody knew after we saw George Floyd after something that the black community was saying, stay woke about, the entire world saw it. And now that the entire world has seen it, and now that the the idea of being woke has become mainstream, now what we see is another concerted effort to devalue, to uh, undermine the power of being woke, the power of being aware of systemic racism and systemic injustice. Now wokeism is, has become something that you don't want to be. In fact, wokeness is something I don't even like using the term woke. I stopped like using the term woke once white people started using it before they started demonizing because it felt like something that was beginning to slip away from us as black folks. We were beginning to lose the significance and the power of the word the moment white people began to colonize it. And so now here we are again in a moment in history where I'm aware, I'm, I'm fully aware that many of you who listen to this podcast either go to church, have been to church, um, are, are in a state like I am which, which, where you're wrestling with spirituality and you're deconstructing and decolonizing your faith. And I'm trying to name and put language to why the idea of church is such a turnoff to you. It's actually not the idea of God or spirituality or or, or something that transcends because there is not a human being on the planet that is being rational and reasonable that doesn't know or isn't aware of the fact that there is something transcendent in the universe. I don't care what you call it. I don't care what you name him or her or them or it. There is a power that exists in the universe that created everything that we see. Whether it was a big bang, whether that was a intelligent being who designed everything, you can debate that all you want, but something out there transcends us and we all know it. And we all know at a spiritual level that there is something valuable, important, good, at the center of the universe that is calling out to us, that is speaking to us, that is um, asking us, demanding of us that we turn our gaze away from music and sermons and towards justice. To turn our gaze away from business as usual and the bottom line and making as much money as possible towards a world that makes space for everyone. A world that allows for the poor to flourish as well as those with means. A world that that has enough food in it for everyone to eat that has enough shelter for everyone to to live under a roof protected from the sun and rain and everything else that happens that 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 is a world. That is the way that the divine created everything. And we are all aware at some level of that. Even if we doubt the existence of God, there has to be the existence of something and I am convinced, compelled by the notion that that force, that power, that energy is good. And beautiful and just and calling all of us, drawing all of us into a space that advocates for more justice, less singing. (laughs) Not too long ago, I saw um, the image of someone who I won't name because I'm really working. Guys, I am legitimately working on not being a hateful person. Because hate is, hate is too strong and dark of an energy to hold in our hearts, minds, or anywhere, in our bodies. It begins to deteriorate us, and I don't want to hold that energy in my body. But there's this person. Gets on my damn nerves. That wasn't a hateful statement. It's just a true statement. It does get on my damn nerves. He posted on Instagram, and I saw it because someone shared it, not because I followed him. Because I don't follow people that make me want to hate. On Instagram you should probably try that also or, or on any social media sites. he was walking around with a praying mantis on his arm which is I don't know I mean seemed like some white people shit to me like, I, I don't I, I don't know I don't I would never walk around with a praying mantis on my arm so I'll just say it that way maybe it's not some white people shit it's just not some Corey Evan leak shit um, walking around with a praying mantis on his arm and this man with a straight face said that this was a sign that that this state that he's in is now um, is, is is returning to prayer this is the same worship leader who went out to Minnesota in 2020 and led a worship night while people were protesting the murder of George Floyd by the state. I mean, can you imagine that? Imagine like if, it, it, I mean, I guess this is tantamount to people like um, in the Jesus story when when Jesus is being uh, executed by the state that um, Roman sho- shoulders, Roman shoulders, Roman shoulders sounds like an exercise you do. Maybe I should, I should, never mind Corey, stay focused. Um, Roman soldiers were gambling or, or engaged in this activity over Jesus clothes while he was being executed by the state. Somehow there's a parallel. I ain't made the connection yet. Maybe you can make the connection later on to that. And this dummy showing up to, to Minnesota to lead a worship night service while people are protesting and lamenting the, the brutal murder of George Floyd by the state rather than participating in what's already happening and seeing what's happening right in front of his face, he decided that he'd rather sing songs and strum his guitar, to which Amos, I mean, it would seem to me, that Amos would say to this dummy, gosh, maybe dummy's a hateful word to use for somebody. I take it back. I didn't edit it out, though, so I should tell you something. I'm still a work in progress. Amos would say that God, at least the God that, Amos wrote about that that is supposed to be the same God that this guy um, follows, believes in, and sings worship songs to, that God would say I'm tired of your songs. I'm disgusted by them. He'd say spare me the the noise of your songs. I don't want to hear the strumming of your guitar. It's literally what Amos would say to this man and others who joined him in that moment and others who are joining him all over the country. Now, perhaps you are somebody who joined that group listening to this podcast. I doubt it, but maybe you are. Maybe somebody shared this with you and you decided to listen to this whole thing so you could, maybe you're hate listening, which happens sometimes. I hope you know what I'm saying is true. I hope you know that, like, Those of us who believe in a higher power believe that that higher power is about love and justice, acceptance, growth, compassion, goodness, faith, power, diversity, inclusion, equity, righteousness. Sounds like God to me. And and not... In a metaphorical sense, not in a way that's like someday when we all get to heaven. There is not any you won't find any writing from anyone who wrote who wrote down scripture. I, I haven't read a bunch of other sacred texts, so I won't speak to those sacred texts, but you won't find any from the Jewish scriptures to the Protestant scriptures. Any of the, the writers of those who, by the way, didn't believe that they were writing Jewish and Protestant. The split happened by us, not them, but that's neither here nor there. They did not, they were not writing stories about an afterlife. They were writing about here and now. They were writing about a just world. How do we as human beings living now, this life we have, that is the only one we have, that we can be certain of, how do we live justly here and now? and the way that we live justly there's a lot of philosophy debate conversation about that but one way that I think we should be able to agree we don't live justly is by singing songs having services and traveling the country and the world preaching about going to heaven when people are starving when people are having their autonomy and agency stripped from them when people are being murdered in the streets by gun violence I can tell you that ignoring those things so that we can sing songs, nah. I can tell you that's not what any divine being worth following, pursuing, considering, meditating on would be about. All right, y'all. That's it. I uh, cannot wait for you to hear episode 99. We have some of our favorite guests coming back my favorite guest, I won't apologize for that. They are my favorite guest ever. They're back on the next episode of Existential. Thank you to all of you who are listening, have listened, continue to listen, share, rate, review. If you haven't shared, if you haven't rated, if you haven't reviewed, stop right now and do that before you finish with this episode, please, please, please. If you have not become a part of the Patreon community, like a bunch of the new folks who have come on again, thank you to all of you for any amount of money. You can, you can become a part of that community again. Like I said before, it's not about the money. It's just how Patreon is set up. So you, if you do a dollar a month, I don't care. I just want you to be a part of that community because I want to grow it. I want to do some cool things with it. And I think we can contend for a better world together one conversation at a time.